We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. It is Friday. It is WNBA playoff season, so it's a good day. Um, this is Megan Gower again here with Aaron Barzilai. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how you doing? Not just Friday. It's Friday the 13th. Oh, it is. So maybe not the luckiest day to be recording a podcast, but well, <laughs> it's what you believe in, I guess. Yes, we've already been a little off, not on our usual schedule. So hopefully uh, we won't have too many technical difficulties going forward. Exactly. So yeah, bringing you the podcast this week a couple days late so that we could talk about the first set of playoff games instead of recording on Wednesday night during them. Um, so on Wednesday, we had the first round of the WNBA playoffs. Uh, Phoenix and Chicago played first, and Chicago moved on to the second round, and they will play uh, the Aces, and then Minnesota and Seattle played in the second game, and Seattle will be moving on to play the Sparks, and both of those second-round games are coming up on Sunday. But what were your thoughts on the two opening games, Aaron? Yeah, I, mostly it was an exciting night just to have uh, WNBA basketball back and people paying attention uh, to it again. Uh, you know, at some level, I thought the games went mostly as I expected. I mean, obviously, the uh, Minnesota-Seattle game, I thought, was the marquee game because I was pretty confident in Chicago. It was definitely unfortunate uh, that Griner wasn't really able to play it full strength. But even so, I, I, I think Chicago would have won that uh had phoenix been at quote full strength uh with griner playing but unfortunately tarasi not um so the seattle minnesota game and the grand scheme of things it was exciting 
but you know, it wasn't the most well played game. I think I, I was I was live tweeting the game, and I think there was a good like two minutes there from I want to say four fifty six of the fourth quarter to um, I guess like uh, two fifty six or something like that, where like no one scored. So the game was clearly uh, could have gone either way, and, and Minnesota just couldn't pull it off. Seattle had uh, just enough and really enough of a boost, I thought, from their amazing uh, first first half performance that wasn't sustainable to uh, hold on to the finish line. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of those takes. Um, the Phoenix game, I think they just didn't have, especially when Skriner went down, they just didn't have enough to you know, come close to Chicago, which was kind of the expected outcome anyway. Uh, but I thought as much as Phoenix looked like they were hurting without two of their stars on the court, Chicago also just looked really good on Wednesday night. Um, I think that especially the way the Aces have been playing the last couple of weeks, they haven't looked as good as they have kind of in the since the start of the season. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I think that really that second um, round game could go either way. For me, the Seattle-Minnesota game was actually a little bit more surprising because I kind of expected Minnesota to win it. But I think Seattle just came out so hot at the start and Minnesota could really never recover from it. Um, I think a lot of that is like all the credit to the Seattle guards, right? Um, Jordan Canada, who has been fantastic all season. Honestly, if I was like voting for end of the season award, she probably would have been my most improved player. She's filled in the role of Sue Bird, which is very big shoes for a second year player to be filling. And fashionable shoes. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Um, And then Jill Lloyd also had a fantastic night. Um, She hasn't been quite herself since she came back from her injury, but she definitely looked like herself on Wednesday night. So definitely getting hot at the right time there. Um, Yeah, that stat that Kevin Pelton was tracking, he was the one that at first when I saw that, uh, what was it? The Seattle guards outscored the Minnesota guards 48 to 1. Yeah, the Minnesota guards did not have a good night on the contrary. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think a little on both sides, yeah. right? Uh, I think Seattle's played well and Minnesota's played below their usual agreed, level. Agreed, agreed. Um, but yeah, if you told me that Seattle would win that game with Natasha Howard having two points, I definitely would not have believed it, but they did it. So, <laughs> Well, I was one thing that jumped out at me, I was thinking about this also in the context of Chicago. Like, I just love watching Sloot pass yeah. the ball, and Natasha Howard had some great passes as well on Seattle. So she was definitely doing lots of different things. Even agreed, agreed. The other thing that stands out to me from Wednesday night was kind of the playoff views of both Diamond DeShields in Chicago and then Nafisa Collier in Minnesota. Um, Diamond DeShields, her stat line is insane, and I feel like that doesn't even tell the whole story. She had 25 points, four rebounds, three assists, a couple blocks, but I think her just like her athleticism was on full display on um, Wednesday night. She probably could have made a Sports Center highlight reel by herself with some of her plays. So that was definitely a lot of fun to watch, especially for someone that's their first playoff appearance. And then for Minnesota, the rookie, Nafisa Collier, of course, obviously I was going to have to mention this, but um, you came out in her first playoff game, kind of where she's been all season, had a double-double, 19 points, 10 rebounds, was 8 of 11 from the floor. So really, um, I think at one point in the third quarter when Minnesota was going on one of their runs to try to keep up, she had or get back in it, she had like 11 of the Lynx's thir- last 13 points. Um, so really at one point kind of tried to put the team on her back too, which is really impressive for a rookie. So I thought both of those important performances were really fun to watch from some young players 
Yeah, I was going to ask you particularly about Nafisa, but you're absolutely right about uh, Diamond Shields getting back to that. And I feel like I always call her Diamond to Shield. I never just call her Diamond, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but I guess we call her to Shield sometimes. You know, it made me think I saw those pictures of uh, Arike, uh, speaking of rookies, uh, repping her brother's jersey, I guess, on Sunday, right? Because um, he was you know, his first NFL game, I think, or uh, maybe it's not his first, but uh, so it made me wonder, I'm sure that uh, Diamond Shields' brother, Delano Shields Jr. has uh, done that as well, but I'm not keeping up with the uh, entrances of uh, Major League Baseball players, but hope we'll start to get some more shots of him yeah, doing definitely. that as well. I guess it's a shame that, uh, you know, the Major League Baseball season probably just won't let him watch any WNB games in person pretty much ever, right? So, um, <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to, like, be in Chicago at the right time or have it line up really well. Yeah, because it doesn't quite end in time, even if they, like, get eliminated early. But anyhow, yeah, Nafisa Collier, uh, that was just impressive, impressive performance. And, uh, yeah, it just made me wonder. We saw that the um, AP voting uh, for Rookie of the Year, so that's not the official WNBA voting, but the AP voting, uh, I guess eight out of 14 people voted for Collier, six for Arike. So uh, it was really kind of interesting to see that performance. You know, I, I am not sure that I think it matters, but I think that having a, a signature performance like that is exactly why Nafisa voters vote uh, voted for Nafisa. Um, you know, it's kind of capable of showing that in a big moment, you can really kind of carry your team. Yeah, I thought one of the things that I found funny during just like the games on Wednesday about her is like the broadcasters referring were referring it to like as Nafisa Collier in the links, like you would say like Maya Moore in the links, and I was like she's a rookie, but they're the name that she's using already. Like I think people expect that she's going to be a long term star, but I thought it was kind of crazy that already that's the kind of reference that you're making, especially on a team where you have like Sylvia Fowles and Simone Augustus, which are perfect if not maybe better names to be using in that sentence. So. Yeah, fouls certainly yeah. in particular, right? Um, you know, all respect to Augustus, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, Nafisa really showed, uh, you know, as we said, right, Nafisa doing Nafisa things, um, and uh, I think it just really does uh, bode well and, and can kind of um, remind people that it's not just the kind of under the radar stuff she's doing, but she is capable of kind of really, uh, you know, making a, a very visible impact on the court so yeah it would have been interesting if that if the how the um sorry it would be interesting how the award voting for rookie of the year would have gone um especially because you know nafisa only played one more game but had that vote been taken after wednesday you know thursday let's say instead of a, you know after sunday's game Right. Yeah, definitely would be interesting to see. Of course, it is. Basically. Maybe we'll have to uh, we'll have to talk to Jen about that. <laughs> I saw that in her uh, end of season award ballot, she uh, voted for Arike. Certainly, uh, as we've uh, seen, right, that's a very reasonable position. I agree. I think everyone's starting to say, which you know, we mentioned. Uh, John said on the podcast, I guess a week and a half ago. You know, the idea that Wish could split it because it does seem fair. But uh, I was listening to the uh, Around the Rim podcast with um, LaChina and Tariq Foster-Brasby and Deborah Peters, and uh, it was interesting to hear them kind of arguing really for Collier. I do think that, uh, you know, LaChina made a pretty persuasive case on Collier's behalf. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, I think really they're both great candidates, so it is so hard to choose, but 
for me, I think it's just the way that Collier does a little bit of everything and the way she's been doing that since day one in the league. Um, yeah, maybe what but, we should start talking about is how good this rookie class is. And like, yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. <you know. laughs> like, is this going to be, uh, uh, again, I need to do a little more research on history. Maybe we should talk to uh, Curtis. Uh, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see like how many, you know, all-star appearances, so on and so forth, uh, happen uh, when we look back in a decade or two from uh, from this draft. Agreed. Yeah, it's a very strong class. I mean, you're talking about your two Rookie of the Year candidates were fifth and sixth picks in the draft, so you still have four players above them. And I mean, Tierra McCallan is was the number three pick, and she was if she had played more minutes at the beginning of the season, definitely would have been right up there in the Rookie of the Year race. Um, you got Jackie Young, who started to play well later on in the season. You got um katie lucian as well was up there yeah and then like uh, i watched a little of asia Durr in person in new york a couple of times um and i mean the games that i saw she was very impressive that's probably among the the better games that she had this season but it certainly voted well and you would expect as these players come back for year two that all of them i mean they won't all get better but you know in Mm -hmm. general with a little more experience especially uh presumably overseas the you know i think it bodes well for next year and can you imagine how good this class would have been if sabrina had declared oh yeah i can't even imagine that's a what if because you already have still two like brianna turner starting at phoenix the last few games got a lot of other rookies stepping up um kennedy burke was starting for the fever for a couple games so yeah a lot of really strong rookies um in this class pretty crazy any other thoughts on the uh, award ballots that we're starting to see trickle out? Um, James Wade, right, won uh, yeah. Coach of the Year. And um, sorry, Natasha Howard, right, won Defense Play of the Year. They each got, uh, I think, presented with their trophies on Wednesday, although I tuned in a couple minutes late on Wednesday <laughs> for the early games. So I didn't see that, uh, that, but I guess maybe the commissioner presented uh, Coach Wade with his award. Yeah, I saw, I don't know if they showed that on the air, they just showed a clip of it later on, but yeah, she um, presented James Wade with the Coach of the Year Award. To me, that one was kind of a, I expected that to be the pick, and I think it was a great pick. It's a way that Chicago's defense just transformed between this year and last year. It's insane. Like last year, they were, I think, the worst defensive team in the league, um, and this year, they had pretty solid defense. They made the playoffs. They're, you know, a contender to make it to the semifinals definitely um could even make the finals but yeah sunday's game is gonna be great yeah exactly so um i think what he did with that team in such a short period of time was extremely impressive um and then also with just like kind of using the same pieces that they had last year greatly like they did bring in you know katie lucy Simonson, but they didn't really use her that much so a lot of it was with the same pieces that was around the court Last year, he was able to kind of completely transform that team, which is really impressive, in my opinion. Um, on the yeah, de- oh. definitely. I, you know, one thing I was looking, um, I was thinking more about this. Uh, is there are a lot of coaches did great work, uh, really, this season. Like, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, Pokey Chap- Chapman got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, like, I'm not really sure. I was trying to triple check, but, like, I don't know that I feel like they um, – underachieved do you i mean i don't remember people thinking that they were uh you know gonna be a you know a semi-finalist uh, or a finalist this season i mean the team that, that really sticks out as um not performing to the level we expected really uh is the dream unfortunately right, right? and then of course the injuries to um i mean maybe seattle's lower than we might have guessed when they were healthy but yeah um 
you know, once you factored in the realities, uh, that didn't seem to be the case. Cause I was sort of thinking about that also in the context of like coaches that are on the hot seat or whatever. And, uh, but I mean, it seems like in general people did a, a strong job and even, I, I mean, I would say Pokey Chapman definitely had that team playing hard. Definitely. You know, you've seen the development on Tierra McCowan. You know, I do think that when you, uh, cause Tamika catching stepped in during the season. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's always a precarious situation when you're uh, a coach. Uh, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, I think that, uh, you know, you can't, I, I don't really feel like there was like abysmal coaching when someone had to get fired the way you hear. And I, again, I hate to always relate this to my MBA uh, experiences, but you know, you see much more of a clamoring where people are like you know, making all kinds of crazy jokes about play, bad play calls. I don't feel like anyone deserved that uh, this season at all. Yeah. It no. well to the coaching. I would agree. I was kind of surprised by the like Indiana firing right off the foot because it came yeah. like right after the season. So it was like right away. And yeah, that one surprised me a little bit. But yeah, otherwise I think teams did really well i i don't really think that indiana like underperformed i guess they were probably no. hoping to make the playoffs but like they were one spot out of making them um i mean they have a young team i had some injuries to like um victoria vivian and then there might have been someone else as well so i mean that always hurt too i thought they did yeah. fine for the year i do think seattle really outperformed everyone's um expectations coming after the injury announcements when he didn't have brianna stewart and sue bird it's kind of like right and then jewel lloyd was down for a while with the ankle injury um they kind of were missing so many pieces yet still managed to make the playoffs so i think that was an impressive one um yeah we talked about that i remember on an earlier podcast i mean it was just amazing yeah they were both healthy this season to think about how good seattle would be um, but then, you know, it was interesting, Jen, and, you know, maybe it's her Washington bias, but has uh, Coach Tebow as her uh, vote and her ballot, which, uh, you know, folks can read uh, on our uh, mm-hmm. account, uh, her hoop stats, actually, our medium. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're 26 and 8. They've got this unbelievable offensive rating of 115.9 in the regular season. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was also an interesting choice and, and a very fair choice as well. I think she, he's on a lot of lists. Yeah, definitely a fair choice. I mean, they had one of the best, I think, regular seasons in like league history as far as like the, their sheer dominance on offense. And one thing for me with him is that like he did pretty much return all the pieces from a team that made it to the finals last year. So while it's still really impressive, it's like makes it like slightly less impressive than like something in Chicago that is where true. like, you... but he did manage the injuries. Yes, well, that definitely. was sort of, I think is Jen's yeah. counter, which I think is quite, quite accurate. Um, a lot of people missed a lot of times. So, you know, there's an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You know, it'd be fascinating if they converted it. Uh, Cause I hear this conversation a lot in the college context where the coaches are both, you know, like Gino's the coach and the GM of UConn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Mike Tebow almost gets like the combined award at some level. Right. right? Or, uh, you know, how they performed. Well, I mean, that's kind of a, that level is just basically record, right? But compared to some of the other coach GMs, in the league. yeah, agreed. Um, and then I would say, as far as like GMs of the year, though, Cheryl, um, Cheryl Reeve in Minnesota, like the way she retooled that team without so many of their key pieces from last year and the way they performed, I think is another one that kind of outperformed expectations. It was kind of supposed to be, yeah, a rebuild year, and it really wasn't. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and that also again speaks to her coaching, too. I know that, um, uh, Jen had her listed as many mo- most people are essentially in her apologies yes. to section, which I I love that uh, name for that. Agreed. Yeah, very impressive year from Minnesota with just so many new pieces, and then I mean, really, like Augustus was out most of the year, so you were missing her. You were missing Maya Moore, Lindsay Whalen, um, a 
couple other pieces. So really impressive um, turnaround for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I got to say, you know, kind of circling back to what we said at the beginning, like I enjoy the games on Wednesday. I'm particularly excited for the uh, Sky Aces game. That's going to be great. I'm glad that's the uh, marquee matchup. Uh, oh, I uh, one thing I did want to shout out was I did want to give a little bit of kudos to ESPN. We often complain about how there's no postgame coverage, but uh, ESPN had a very nice pack, little quick little packaged uh highlight on the first game on wednesday night when the second game ended so they showed uh sky mercury highlights to open sports center right after the um Lynx storm game ended i would have loved to have them also kind of come back the way they do for nba playoffs and maybe get thoughts from uh you know say lachina who was a color commentator for the late game um but you know you can only ask for so much perhaps or you know maybe i'm a little too incrementalist but still i think we if we're going to complain when there's not coverage i think we should also notice when there is coverage and hopefully people stayed and tuned in unfortunately it was like after midnight on the east coast but still it seemed like a positive agreed i definitely agree with that um and then the other thing is just like every time i like watch like a double header of women's basketball i'm just like we're just so lucky with the commentators that we get like everyone really knows their stuff and they do an excellent job so that's always fun for me to watch um when you've got real yeah the coverage is uh i think is excellent and and i've always consistently thought that espn can sometimes you know i haven't seen it quite as much in the WNBA this season but they can be a little more experimental i think they feel because um they're not quite as many eyeballs but uh as a result i think it lets them be very innovative which uh you know i'm all about uh and i would say i also think in that same spirit you know we often hear complain when we hear people like mispronouncing names and stuff like that uh but even the espn folks right aren't immune to it uh, as am i certainly uh so i it does it, to me it's also kind of a reminder to cut uh some other folks that are less familiar with the WNBA uh, a little bit of slack as well definitely because like there's one funny graphic right that came was that during the game when they showed oh, the wrong yeah. I think it was like a halftime the... or something yeah they had the wrong team yeah yeah to do, but it happens no one's perfect so yeah I mean we've never made a mistake <laughs> on our hoop stats but it happens to other people but yeah I'm excited for Sunday you're gonna be able to uh watch those games live I'm going to try to um be bouncing around a little bit but yeah we'll definitely watch them afterwards if I don't watch them live um but yeah, who do you have? Who do you think is going to come out on top on Sunday? So we've got Chicago versus the Aces and then uh, Seattle versus the Sparks. Yeah, the Sparks, I think, have to be favored. Again, they're playing at home. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting about the whole thing is it's unfortunate that the games are on Sunday. It seems like normally Saturday would have been the natural day to schedule these. That is, again, another very big gap Wednesday to, to Sunday. But, I mean, that has to do with ESPN being your primary partner and ESPN sort of owning college football on Saturday because it's going to be a really quick turnaround from Sunday to Tuesday which uh, I think Agreed. is interesting. Agreed. So I expect there'll be a lot of home court advantage to even though um, I guess Washington, Connecticut will be theoretically rusty. They'll have, you know, just a lot of home court advantage. I mean, either way, both of those teams, uh, all those teams are flying cross country to to be the road team in game one on on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, so the Sparks, I think you got a favor there. But the Aces-Chicago game seems like a toss-up to me. I think it really... You know, that I think there's no question that the Aces can beat the Sky. Um, you know, if the Aces are playing their best, but there's also, mm -hmm. I think, the Sky are quite capable, right, if they're 
um, you know, especially if Allie Quigley's hitting her threes and whatnot and Sloot's uh, dishing the way she does and, and Diamond Shields plays at a similarly high level that we uh, all hold her up to. So I really, I guess I'm going to be wishy-washy on that. I don't know that I have a pick. If anything, I think that uh, Chicago will be, uh, could pull off the upset. You know, we you uh, did a little digging in that article. We can talk about that afterwards, after I hear your picks. But, uh, you know, I really think it's a one-game uh, tournament or whatever, right? And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's very, very close. Oh, agreed. Yeah, with a one-game, you know, round, it's it can always go either way. I guess that's, like, the fun of March Madness, right, is that everything can always go either way. But um, you don't usually see that as much in, like, professional sports playoffs. So it's interesting that the W does it this way. But, yeah, I think my pick for um, the Seattle-LA game is definitely the Sparks. I expect that the Sparks will win that. So that Connecticut will be seeing the Sparks uh, next week. But, yeah, really the LA – or not the LA, sorry, the Vegas-Chicago game could go either way in my opinion. I think if Chicago plays like they played against Phoenix, they will probably take it. But it's all going to depend on what happens that night. definitely could go either way but if i was had to make a pick i would pick chicago right now yeah i feel like i would i'm trying to triple check the odds for uh the games uh this first site it surprises me it says that uh the um where are we here it says that the uh la games a no that can't be right but uh it seems the la game that they're pretty heavily favored as you expect but vegas i guess opened as like a three-point favorite so um, I think that, you know, that seems to be where the quote money is, uh, although I don't know how robust that betting market really is, but I do very much trust Vegas uh, odds for that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, just, I mean, it definitely feels like there's a lot of opportunity there for Chicago. And I was saying something, I mean, I definitely don't think there's a conspiracy or anything, but uh, I mean, it would be amazing if we ended up with like a Washington uh chicago final right for in terms of television ratings like when people are always talking on the nba side about you know getting the knicks back or something like yeah interesting i don't think we can though right because well if well it would la would have to lose for us to get a washington chicago final because they like a reseed oh right yeah with the reseed i hadn't really thought about the details of that but right so more likely that we'd get unless la loses we would get a chicago washington semifinal. right yeah um, well that'll be great then so maybe that'll be the best of both yeah, worlds we'll be, yeah exactly um yeah um, anyway you crack it it should be good and i think that um even though you know the mystics are the prohibitive favorite for the uh championship i think you know there's still going to be really good basketball from here on out definitely definitely couple of few exciting weeks of basketball and then it's short quick. hiatus and then we get 10 ncaa so yeah not too long and we're squeezing in the draft lottery uh between now and then as well yep tuesday night as well so i think it's supposed to air on espn 2 on the halftime of uh the connecticut sun game don't quote me on the channel but it's i think one of the yeah ESPN i'm pretty sure it's espn too um, so yeah that'll be exciting as well People already talking about who's going to get Sabrina. I would also extend that to who's going to get Sabrina or Lori Cox because I think those are your top two picks. And I think depending on what teams need, they're equally excellent first picks. But Lori yeah, Cox we'll just how... on the podcast uh, the other day with John Little. Yes, definitely go listen our to most, that. Our most listened to, I think. Yeah, 
excellent defensive player. I think she's going to transition to the W really well. Um, So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how that draft lottery shakes up for the incoming class for next year. But, yeah, so those games this weekend are very exciting, kind of uh, pulling it back to that. Um, And you wrote that article. We were doing some research on whether it matters uh, the regular season performance because people sort of love to cite that. Uh, And so, yeah, I thought it was good to write the examples that you talked about in particular uh, how early Washington faced off against Connecticut this season. And I think, remind me, Elena Delton missed one of those games. Yeah, so one of those games that Connecticut won, Elena Delton um, missed. So Connecticut won that regular season series 2-1. to one. But again, all those games happened before July even started. So really early on in the season as well. So, you know, kind of hard to draw too many conclusions from that. Yeah, and I think that you know, that was really kind of the reason we did the article, especially in these one-game series. Uh, I thought it was remarkable. What, what was the percentage of teams that uh, won the regular season series that won a single-game elimination? Yeah, only 43%, so less than half the time does the like team that won the regular season series actually win in the playoffs when it's a single elimination game, which is it, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Actually, think- it would be really fun to like do that with like, a seating analysis for NCAA. That was just a random thought but anyway yeah, yeah, um, yeah. well there's always always i love it right good uh good research always raises more questions than than provides answers i like this <laughs> um so yeah no but basically right what we found was that uh i guess this you know seeding is much more important than head-to-head record i think we tend to overvalue those couple you know okay. three or four games that teams have played against each other and kind of forget about the other 30 which are kind of also valuable data points uh, right so exactly. and you're, you know you're not as tuned into someone being sick or out or something like that so let's see here so i forgot to triple check this before we started great uh, great podcasting here but <laughs> in particular for that aces chicago matchup i guess the aces went two and one against chicago this season yeah they went two and one against chicago but so they are the team that won the regular season series but like we we're just saying does that really matter probably not um and then for la versus um seattle la won that one two to one as well um which again doesn't really matter i don't remember when in the season those games were too but i mean if that loss came like early on in the season when they didn't have candace parker and they didn't have um, a lot of their other pieces again like it's kind of like for what it's worth um i also think la's record is one of the most interesting to me because like their seating is probably still not like indicative of like where they are at at full strength um even though they are the three seeds so i guess are you really going to say they're better than connecticut which they could be right now in my opinion um just so many of their games this year were played down key parts to their team and they didn't really have their full uh like lineup together until very close to the end of the season so even their like seeding and regular full regular season record isn't really indicative of where they're at at full strength yeah were they they were like were they did they ever drop down to fifth at any point i'm trying to remember in the same oh yeah i think they were even like at they might have even been at six at some point during the season um earlier on so yeah because there was a time when chicago was fourth 
I yeah, and so they're like eight and off. two, and they're they're eight and sorry, they're eight and two in their last ten games, and one of those eight. was a loss, to, uh, a bad loss, but a loss to, uh, at Washington. I don't yep. know if you remember that game. Yeah, uh, we had it circled on our calendar ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they lost to the Mystics and they lost they lost to the Aces. So, uh, you know, I think yeah, I think they're definitely performing well. Uh, I know that uh, you know they're looking forward. To, I think getting more attention there. Uh, Eli Horowitz, their PR person, was, mm-hmm. was sort of reaching out for folks last night. That were interested in covering uh covering the playoff games uh you know i uh, wish we had someone in la to uh, to do the justice but hopefully in the future that is a good plug though yeah. <laughs> if you are interested in helping us out please send me an email uh, aaron barzilai at herhoopsat.com i could spell it for you that's probably even worse radio uh so you can find us on our twitter feed uh herhoopsats uh, at herhoopsats on twitter definitely yeah um it would be great to have someone out there i know i was hoping to make it to the sun games next week but unfortunately i'm traveling for work so i won't be home but hoping to make it there if there's finals i might have to find an excuse to not travel for work if the finals games are when i'm supposed to be away okay. yeah work is over <laughs> kind of that day job life <laughs> um yeah if only we can dream someday someday we'll all be uh, focused on yes <laughs> but yeah no it's been an exciting week um i guess even yeah it's friday so other i'm trying to think other interesting articles we wrote besides the ones that uh we've already talked about right i was really excited about our um Yes. media awards that uh calvin wrote up that was a lot of fun you know the athletic uh, had their kind of player poll we had pulled media to get a sense about who things like who the funniest coach is and other kind of behind the scenes uh perspectives that you can get and so uh, that was our first annual i'm looking forward to uh expanding that uh, you know even further yeah definitely forward. i really enjoyed that one it was a lot of fun uh, to read so and then today we just put out a new article uh jonathan chang wrote about the uh gold medal winning women's three on three team do we ever decide the uh final name for that uh mix of connecticut and oregon players i don't think we did but we should work on that but yeah, <laughs> yeah. an incredible squad of ncaa players probably some of four of your like stars that you got to be looking forward to watching in the upcoming season so yeah definitely a yeah, fun well, rate as well right but jonathan uh caught up with olivia nelson adota and Kristen williams uh all you UConn fans so uh, be sure and read that as well yes definitely so yeah so it's gonna be an exciting weekend what are you uh doing this weekend you got any big plans I am heading up to the Big E on Sunday, which is why I might be watching the games on delay but um what is so the Big it's... E I've heard of the Big Easy yeah. I don't think that's what you're talking about though no not quite that's not till you know or March for the final four but uh, oh that's big... right <laughs> the Big E is a huge, like, kind of like state type fair thing, but it's all of New England. Um, so it's like they have my favorite part of it, at least, is on like this one road of it. They have all these different state houses. So there's one for Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. So all your New England states. And each house is just like full of different vendors from each state. Um, Wait, so local... this like this sounds like it's tying into my Disney trip. It's like Epcot Center World. Yeah. For state. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, exactly. It's basically like New England Epcot. Um, but yeah, so they've got all like food vendors, local beers, local um, like crafters and different things. Um, and then, of course, you have just the huge food or fair environment as well. So all the rides and more food. Basically, I'm going to eat, if we're being honest. Like, that's the whole point of going. Yeah. Do they, uh, like Epcot Center, do they import locals? And is it like a requirement you have to have like the thickest accent representing your <laughs> state uh, to be in these houses? 
Well, I don't really know. Well, I guess it's in the Boston or the Massachusetts house. They might have some people with a Boston accent, but I'm like, at least I wouldn't really recognize a New England accent because I'm from New England. But I, you don't actually have that thick of a yeah. New England accent. But there's definitely, you know, like Providence is a little different. That's and true. Certainly, I think Maine as well. You know, there's definitely there's yeah. variations on a theme. So uh, that would be funny. Why is it called the Big E? Do you know what's the E for? Like, why is it not the Big N E? I think that, it's like Eastern States Exposition or something like that. That might be what it is. I don't know. Big East. I don't I'm not really big East Coast conference. <laughs> I'm Are they gonna have to rename now? it the ACC uh, <laughs> yeah. or American at this point? Oh, um, <laughs> huh, that's interesting. No, I've never heard of that. Is it like a giant thing? And yeah, traffic it's a, for miles. Yeah, a giant thing. Traffic for miles every year. Um, usually, if you like just park further out, you avoid the traffic. Though that's usually what I'll do. I'm like I hate sitting in traffic. I'm like I'd rather just have to walk like three quarters of a mile. It'll take ten minutes versus you know thirty mm. minutes in the car. So now you wrote you wrote that article about um, your trip to. Uh, France with your mom, right? Yeah. And how your mom instilled your love of women's sports. Did she also install instill your love of the biggie? Um, we definitely went some as kids, but I think I go now more as an adult, largely because I just like to eat all the ridiculous food. When was it last year? I think I had it was like a quarter pound like mozzarella stick, literally like a quarter pound of cheese. I what? love cheese, so I think that's great. Most people probably think that's kind of gross. <laughs> How like is that like how big is that? Is that bigger like, than like a drumstick from KFC? Yeah, or, like, it's like probably like the thickness of like three hot dogs put together, like that kind of shape. So, <laughs> so it's not quite like I'm having a coffee here as we're talking. It's not quite as big as my coffee. No, coffee. not quite that big. I'm also having coffee. Um, but... Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe you uh, you could have a future in competitive eating. <laughs> I don't know if they have a mozzarella stick uh, yeah. division. They have all the different other uh, other kinds of foods, right? It's not just hot dogs <laughs> on Coney Island. On yeah, July I participated in one competitive eating experience. What? Are you kidding yeah, me? So when I was like an intern years back, the company I was interning for had like an ice cream eating challenge to raise money for food share. Ice cream is literally the most like miserable thing to competitively eat, in my opinion. So I don't think I would ever oh, do that again. I think that could be a topic. Next time we'll do some research and figure out what might really be the worst <laughs> food to eat. I mean, the hot dog thing looks yeah, gross when you watch yeah. it on July 4th. But wow, so you were in a, an ice cream eating contest. <laughs> yep. So yeah. What? And how much did you eat? I had you something know? like ten scoops or something. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, not not a fun time. <laughs> I did not win. <laughs> but the- no, how many pint? I wonder how many like pints. That's probably the most realistic, yeah. uh, relatable measure of that. How many like Ben and Jerry's pints would yeah, that be? I don't know. Probably at least three, maybe more. <laughs> Oh wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, you know, like if people saw you and me uh, hanging out uh, at the Final Four, they would definitely guess that I could uh, take <laughs> you down in a competitive eating uh, competition. Did you like prep and stuff the way they do the the um, what's the name of the woman, the, the Asian woman that I, I, I associate with the Coney yeah, Island? Not, There's the yeah. guy from San Antonio, the American. I mean, from San yeah, Jose. I'm not sure what her name is, but yeah, no, I didn't really do any prep other than like not eating lunch, which in hindsight people say is probably not the best idea because I guess you're stomach like shrinks when you don't put food in it but i don't know <laughs> so hmm. but you ate breakfast yeah, i think so at least i think i would have gone out, all out. <laughs> gotta commit <laughs> <laughs> interesting uh i some might say it looks like i've uh, been in a few competitive <laughs> eating contests but i don't really think i have there definitely i was I remember one time we were on vacation actually in the big any in new <laughs> england and uh we were what was it? Oh, yeah. We must have been in, let me go, my, my, we were in New Hampshire, very northern New Hampshire, 
and it was like so remote that they go to Maine to get ice cream because uh, it was right on the border. And uh, we went to this place and it was like, if you can order, I don't know if it was like a gallon or some giant, but it was one of those things where like, we'll give you this enormous <laughs> amount of ice cream. And if you can eat the whole thing, you can have it. Gotcha. Uh, and so everyone's like, oh, you should try it. And I was like, yeah, that seems yeah, a little much. Ice cream. But yeah, no, I don't think I, I prefer my food recreation. Yeah, I think. I think the only thing I would be like good at is like pizza because I could eat so much pizza by myself. It's rather disgusting, but. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, uh, potential activity, I guess, for uh, Saturday night uh, <laughs> at the Final Four. Uh, hopefully I'll see you before that. But uh, if not, we could see. I'm, I'm a little skeptical that you could eat more than me, but. Uh, and I am sure my family is, but you never know. I wouldn't uh, put it past you. I'm slowing down my old age. I also pay the yeah. price much worse than Probably you would the next true. day. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. We'll have fun. Um, yeah. And then, um, like I said, I'm looking forward to watching these games. Uh, hopefully they'll be close, especially that Aces Sky one. It is, for me, a tough time just because that's in the middle of our family dinner time uh, since it starts at 5 Eastern. But uh, yeah, worst case, I'll take, <laughs> delay it, go on, uh, you know, uh, media blackout, as I like to say. And, uh, you know, because I'm not very good at watching it live if i know what the score is what's your experience with that um, i'll still watch it live or still look at the score because i always like want to know what's going on and then i'll watch it live afterwards because i just like to watch it but i'm also like a weird person that like watches uconn games like multiple times because i feel like when i especially trying mm. to report on them though for me it's like when i watch it the first time oh, I'm, like, yeah. definitely emotionally invested in like the outcome so like sometimes it's helpful to rewatch it with a less um you know stressed out vibe afterwards when you know what the fact the, the result yeah. is going to be but. interesting yeah no i find it hard to uh, watch the games on tape delay when i know the end. it's just not anywhere near as compelling when i know what's going to happen but uh but yeah no but it's actually much much better i agree for kind of studying the players and really gathering uh inside. i know a lot of people right they are they're watching the games live covering them then they go back and watch them on tape uh as they're trying to kind of digest it and think about the bigger trends as right. well yeah i think you're just so in the moment when you watch it live so a lot of times if you're trying to cover it it's definitely helpful to watch it again yeah plus i lie you know, it's actually very frustrating you're live it's like where's the where's the rewind <laughs> yeah. button I need the uh you know 15 second or eight second rewind so i can watch that play a few more times like yeah. I do now. <laughs> so uh but yeah no it's a good weekend and then like i said it's really the thick of the playoffs uh starting on sunday so uh with that we should probably i guess uh call a day here actually get this podcast yes. out before people uh, hit the road for their commute uh but it's always good to catch up with you, you Megan. Too. thanks aaron so yeah like aaron said that's all for today um as always we hope if you enjoyed what you hear you'll go wherever you're listening to your podcast rate us five stars leave us reviews um it helps people find us helps more people find listen to our podcast which is always great also, if you have any feedback, please reach out to us. Um, you can email us at podcast at herhoopstats.com. And you can also find us at, on Twitter at herhoopstats. We welcome any of your suggestions. If there's anything you want us to talk about, if you let us know, we'll definitely talk about it on one of our shows. Uh, also, let me add, I would like to get some stories about other competitive oh, yes. uh, eating contests <laughs> that our listeners have been uh, participating yes, in before. Yes, so definitely tweet at us if you have a competitive eating contest story. We'd love to hear those. Um, and then also, as always, if you like what you hear, you like what you're reading from our site, please um, consider visiting herhoopstats.com and subscribing. It's just $20 a year and the NCAA season is coming up. So those stats will be all readily available to you with a subscription. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Aaron, for joining me again. Mm-hmm.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.